passes to India, Chapter 9, Part 2. Hamidullah had called in on his way to a worrying committee of notables, nationalists in tendency, where Hindus, Muslims, two Sikhs, two Parsis, a Jain, and a native Christian tried to like one another more than came natural to them. As long as someone abused the English, all went in well, but nothing constructive had been achieved. And if the English were to leave India, the committee would vanish also. He was glad that Aziz, whom he loved and whose family was connected with his own, took no interest in politics, which ruined the character and career, yet nothing can be achieved without them. He thought of Cambridge, sadly, as of another poem that had ended. How happy he had been there, twenty years ago. Politics had not mattered in Mr. and Mrs. Bannister's rectory. Their games, work, and pleasant society had interwoven and appeared to be sufficient substructure for a national life. Here, all was wire-pulling and fear. Messrs. Sayed Muhammad and Huck, he could not even trust them, although they had come in his carriage and the schoolboy was a scorpion. Bending down, he said, Aziz, Aziz, my dear boy, we must be going. We are already late. Get well quickly, for I do not know what our little circle would do without you. I shall not forget those affectionate words replied Aziz. Add mine to them, said the engineer. Thank you, Mr. Sayyid Muhammad. I will. And mine. And, sir, except mine, cried the others, stirred each according to his capacity towards goodwill. Little ineffectual, unquenchable flames, the company continued to sit on the bed and to chew sugar cane, which Hassan had run for into the bazaar and Aziz drank a cup of spiced milk. Presently, there was the sound of another carriage. Dr. Panna Lal had arrived, driven by horrid Mr. Ramchand. The atmosphere of a sick room was at once re-established, and the invalid retired under his quilt. Gentlemen, you will excuse. I have come to inquire by Major Calendar's orders, said the Hindu, nervous on the den of fanatics into which his curiosity had called him. Here he lies, said Hamidullah, indicating the prostrate form. Dr. Aziz, Dr. Aziz, I come to inquire. Aziz presented an expressionless face to the thermometer. Your hand also, please. He took it, gazed at the flies on the ceiling, and finally announced, Some temperature. I think not much said Ramchand, desirous of fomenting trouble. Some, he should remain in bed, repeated Dr. Panala, and shook the thermometer down, so that its altitude remained forever unknown. He loathed his young colleague since the disasters with Dapil, and he would have liked to do him a bad turn and report to Major Calendar that he was shamming. But he might want a day in bed himself soon. Besides, 
though major calendar always believed the worst of natives he never believed them when they carried tales about one another sympathy seemed the safe safer course how is stomach he inquired how head and catching sight of the empty cup he recommended a milk diet this is a great relief to us it is very good of you to call dr sahib said hamidullah buttering him up a bit it is only my duty we know how busy you are yes that is true and how much illness there is in the city the doctor suspected a trap in this remark if he admitted that there was or was not illness either statement might be used against him there is always illness he replied and i am always busy it is a doctor's nature he has not a minute he is due double sharp at government college now said ramchand you attend professor godbelly there perhaps the doctor looked professional and was silent we hope his diarrhea is ceasing he progresses but not from diarrhea we are in some anxiety over him he and dr aziz are great friends if you could tell us the name of his complaint we should be grateful to you after a cautious pause he said hemorrhoids and so much my dear rafi for your cholera hooted aziz unable to restrain himself cholera cholera what next what now cried the doctor greatly fussed who spread such untrue reports about my patients hamidullah pointed to the culprit i hear cholera i hear bubonic plague i hear every species of lyme where will it end i ask myself sometimes this city is full of mis statements and the originators of them ought to be discovered and punished authoritatively rafi do you hear that now why do you stuff up things with all this humbug and the school boy murmured that another boy had told him also that the bad english grammar that government obliged them to use often gave the wrong meaning for words and so led scholars into mistakes there is not no reason you should bring a charge against a doctor said ramchand exactly exactly agreed hamidullah anxious to avoid an unpleasantness corals spread so quickly and so far and messer sayed mohammed and haq looked cross and ready to fly out you must apologize properly rafi i can see your uncle wishes it he said you have not yet said that you are sorry for the trouble you have caused this gentleman by your carelessness it is only a boy said dr pannalal appeased even boys must learn said ram chand your own son failing to pass the lowest standard i think said sayed mohammed suddenly oh indeed oh yes perhaps he has not the advantage of a relative in the prosperity printing press nor you the advantage of conducting their cases in the courts any longer their voices rose they attacked one another with obscure allusions and had a silly quarrel Hamidullah and the doctor tried to make peace between them in the midst of the din someone said i say is he ill or isn't he ill mr fielding had entered unobserved all rose to their feet and hasan 
to do an englishman honor struck with a sugar cane at the coil of flies as he said sit down coldly what a room what a meeting scholar and ugly talk the floor strewn with fragments of cane and nuts and spotted with ink the pictures crooked upon the dirty walls no punka he had not meant to live like this or among these third rate people and in his confusion he thought only of the insignificant raffi whom he had laughed at and allowed to be teased the boy must be sent away happy or hospitality would have failed along the whole line it is good of mr fielding to condense to visit our friend said the police inspector we are touched by his great kindness don't talk to him like that he doesn't want it and he doesn't want three chairs he is not three englishmen he flushed rafi come here sit down again i am delighted you could come with mr hamidullah my dear boy it will help me to recover seeing you forgive my mistakes said rafi to consolidate himself well are you ill aziz aren't you fielding repeated no doubt major calendar has told you that i am shamming well are you the company laughed friendly and pleased an englishman at his best they thought so genial inquired from dr pannalal you're sure i don't tire you by stopping why no there are six people present in my small room already please remain seated if you will excuse the inform malady he turned away and continued to address rafi who was terrified at the arrival of his principal remembered that he had tried to spread slander about him and yearned to get away he is ill and he is not ill said hamidullah offering a cigarette and i suppose that most of us are in that same case fielding agreed he and the pleasant sensitive barrister got on well they were fairly intimate and beginning to trust each other the whole world looks to me dying still it doesn't die so we must assume the existence of a beneficent providence oh that is true how true said the policeman thinking religion had been praised does mr fielding think is true think which true the world isn't dying i am certain of that no no the existence of providence well i don't believe in providence but how then can you believe in god asked sayed mohammad i don't believe in god a tiny movement as of i told you so passed round the company and aziz looked up for an instant scandalized is it correct that most are atheist in england now hamidullah inquired the educated people is thoughtful i should say so though they don't like the name the truth is that the west doesn't bother much over belief and disbelief in these days 50 years ago or even when you and i were young much more fuss was made and does not morality also decline it depends what you call yes yes i suppose morality does decline excuse the question but if this is the case how is england justified in holding india there they were politics again 
It's a question I can't get in my mind onto, he replied. I'm out here personally because I needed a job. I cannot tell you why England is here or whether she ought to be here. It's beyond me. Well, qualified Indians also need jobs in the educational. I guess they do. I got in first, said Fielding, smiling. Then excuse me again. Is it fair an Englishman should occupy one when Indians are available? Of course, I mean nothing personally. Personally, we are delighted you should be here and we benefit greatly by this frank talk. There is only one answer to a conversation of this type. England holds India for her good. Yet Fielding was disinclined to give it. The zeal for honesty had eaten him, him up. He said, I am delighted to be here too. That's my answer. There's my only excuse. I can't tell you anything about fairness. It may not have been fair. I should have been born. I take up some other fellow's air, don't I, whenever I breathe. Still, I am glad it's happened and I am glad I'm out here. However big a bad mash one is, if one's happy in consequence, that is some justification. The Indians were bewildered. The line of thought was not alien to them, but the words were too definite and bleak. Unless a sentence paid a few compliments to justice and morality in passing, its grammar wounded their eyes and paralyzed their minds. What they said and what they felt were seldom the same. They had numerous mental conventions, and when these were flouted, they found it very difficult to function. Hamidullah bore up best, and those Englishmen who are not delighted to be in India, have they no excuse? He asked. None. Shut them out. It may be difficult to separate them from the rest. He laughed. Worse than difficult. Wrong, said Mr. Ramchand. No, Indian gentleman approves chucking out as a proper thing. Here we differ from those other nations. We are so spiritual. Oh, that is true. How true, said the police inspector. Is it true, Mr. Huck? I don't consider as us spiritual. We can't coordinate. We can't coordinate. It only comes to that. We can't keep engagements. We can't catch trains. What more than this is the so-called spirituality of India? You and I ought to be at the committee of notables. We are not. Our friend Dr. Lal ought to be with his patients. He isn't. So we go on. And so we shall continue to go, I think, until the end of time. It is not the end of time. It is scarcely 10.30. Ha ha! cried Dr. Pannalan, who was again in confident mood. Gentlemen, if I may be allowed to say a few words, what an interesting talk. Also, thankfulness and gratitude to Mr. Fielding in the first place teaches our sons and gives them all the great benefits of his experience and judgment. Dr. Lal, Dr. Aziz, you sit on my leg. I beg pardon, but some might say your leg kicks. Come along, we tire the invalid in either case, said Fielding, and they filed out. Four Mohammedans, two Hindus, and the Englishman. They stood on the veranda while their conveyances were summoned out of various patches of shade. Aziz has a high opinion of you. He only did not speak because of his illness. I quite understand, said Fielding, who was rather disappointed with his call. 
the club comment making himself cheap as usual passed through his mind he could not even get his horse brought up he had liked aziz so much at their first meeting and had hoped for developments